Uh, I forgot the countdown. Just roll with it. <laughs> Forgetting the countdown, 30 seconds came in. The Bears on tap is live. Typical for a after Christmas show there, too. I will yeah. say that this out of is practice. the type of uh, week where it's like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know the date. I don't know what's going on with anything right now, other than the fact that like we're here talking Bears. Q, yeah. first of all, let me ask how your Christmas was. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any of the Bears game while well, you probably had a million people running around uh, around you at a foreign place? Because the one thing about like the NFL on a Sunday during Christmas, I think is the most – it's it's just a – I'm a creature of habit. Like I like to watch my games one way for the whole year if I'm, if I'm not going. And – the NFL like throws a wrench in it with Christmas because you got family around you. You're doing things if you're having a party. Like it's just tough to like zone in on the game. But I think this was uh, the type of Bears Cardinals game that I think we're glad that we had other things to do as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I was I was up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, um, where Bears games aren't really a priority on the TVs there, so. I didn't get to watch it live. I watched it this afternoon, though, because I finally got home today. And, uh, I mean, I, I live in Philly, so usually I can't get them there on TV either. But I have other ways of getting them. But at my at my in-laws, it's a little harder for me to finagle those ways. Um, so I missed it. I think it was actually at church at kickoff. So um wasn't really an option there. But I was keeping track of it as the game was going on, just Mostly because I betted on it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, but and I got home today. I watched it. I mean, it was a fun first half. And then it. So I think my main takeaway from it is you could sit here through a lot of this season and kind of say, OK, well. Added DJ Moore, Cole Komet's really coming along and Fields has progressed right but it's almost nice to get that little reminder of like okay so if he doesn't have those guys how are we looking mm-hmm. and against i mean and obviously they were burning clock there was more to it than that but i mean with that with those two really banged up you were really looking at six points in the second half against the worst defense in the nfl which is concerning to me i mean that that's something that worries me more when i see that that, you know, that just kind of, you couldn't figure stuff out. You couldn't find ways to move the football very well. They sustained some long drives, but they didn't come away with very many points. And against the Cardinals team that has just been so bad on the road, I feel like you'd like to have seen a bit more. I agree with you. And I think that like, we're going to dive into on this episode and cut this up a bunch of different ways Um, and play a little good cop, bad cop. That's, that's going to be the bulk of this episode. Um, in terms of some of the players that are on this team and some of the coaches and, and some of the decisions that are going to be made. And there's going to be a lot of talk over the course of the next couple of weeks and into the offseason about what the Bears will do with that potential number one pick, their own pick, uh, with some of the guys that are running Hallis Hall. There's a lot of moving parts on this right now that almost, I think, if you watched on Sunday, you're like, man, like early on in that first half, it's all right. Like this is fun to watch. There's growth here. There's there's things to be excited about. 
And then you get into the second half, and like you said, you're banged up, you're eating clock, you're doing a lot of things to just get yourself to the end of a football game that you pretty much had in hand for most of it. I just I, – I, I have such a hard time evaluating in games like that where I don't feel like we learned anything about Justin no. in, in a lot of ways. And I feel like over the course of these last couple games – I don't feel like we've learned much other than the fact of things that we already knew. He's up yeah. and down. He can make the plays when, you know, chip, but when chips are on the table too, and in that fourth quarter, like he made a huge mistake in the red zone of, of throwing mm-hmm. an interception. And it's like with him, I feel like it's one step forward, one step back opposed to, I wish I was seeing three steps forward all the time. Like, and I could be yeah. more confident of where this franchise is. Yeah, and I mean on that that intercepted ball in the second half in the end zone. I mean that was that was just a ball that I, I thought he needed to put more on it, hit the back pylon with it like that. I think that's what they said on the broadcast, and that made a lot like it. Who know? Maybe Herbert messed up his route, but it didn't seem that way to me. It seemed like the route was perfectly open the way that it, he was running it, and that's kind of where you would expect it to go, where only Herbert could get the football. Um, now. I am Skokes mentioned on here, friend of the podcast. He came on the show preseason, predicted seven and ten, and it looks like it might be coming coming through for you, Skokes. There, but like you said, not a good one though. It feels like a bad seven and ten because they've had these these three losses against uh, Detroit, against Denver, and against Cleveland, where it was like you can't lose those games, mm-hmm. you know. So you, you're sitting here saying we should be a nine win team, a ten win team. And uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that, I'm sure, as we, we talk through about the coaching a little bit later. And then uh, we have Scott from Iowa, DJ Komet and Mooney all hurt. Is Justin going to run for 350? I mean, I haven't looked too closely at the Falcons' defense. I know they've been a good defense this year. I don't know if that's even an option for – like, I mean – I Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm mistaken there, but I I think this Falcons defense is actually pretty feisty. Just seems like a perfect time to just grab some tank wins, right? You, you got yeah. to help your own pick. You you find a way to lose two with guys injured. Who you know two you know for sure two of those are coming back next year. Uh, of those guys you mentioned, Scott, and it's uh, I think now it's. I, decisions have to be made at Hallis Hall already, right? That's my question to you. Like, I'm sure that Ryan Poles has a pretty good understanding of what he's going to do, pending if he has that number one pick, pending if his pick, you know, improves over the course of this next two two weeks. But I don't know. It's just interesting to like this. This Bears team is in such just a weird spot, and it, why is it always our franchise that seems like there's not a clear cut route to success all the time? It just seems like there's so many muddied waters whenever we get to this crossroads that seems to be like almost, you know, trademark bears at this point where you don't know who you can trust. You don't know who is more of the problem than the next. And there's just not a clear cut answer between any, you look on Twitter, man, everybody seems to be a million different ways on, on what they want to do with Justin, what they want to do with the coaching staff. And I think that's why, like, it's going to be fun to play good cop, bad cop here because a couple of these guys, I think we can make cases both ways 
And however it turns out, I think there's a route to success at Hallis Hall. Yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm excited for for this one. As as you said, we're going to be doing good cop, bad cop here. So if you've ever watched, uh, the, the thing that comes to my mind is, pardon the interruption, PTI on ESPN. They used to do this, or I mean, I think they still do, uh, where they, at one point, a topic comes up, Tony Kornheiser is going to be the bad cop. He's going to prosecute the the topic, and Michael Wilbon will be the good cop, and he's going to defend the topic. And they'll they'll switch each topic to be good cop, bad cop, bad cop, good cop. So that's what we're going to do here right now. And just kicking this off, Juice, I'll, I'll let you kick it off with uh, being the good cop for Matt Eberflus. Yeah, I think I think he's made a case over these last couple games prior of trading for Montez Sweat. I think Montez Sweat is a lot of the catalyst for the Eberflus, you know, staying model. I I think that the defense you've you've figured that out. You've figured out a way to be a top 10 potential defense next year with adding some help with, you know, growing and, and tweaking the scheme and having some, you know, extra, you know, time to put in more exotic coverages and things like that. I think over the course of post sweat trade, he's done an incredible job with this defense and going into his candidacy and him becoming a head coach of the Chicago bears this is what we've expected, right? The expectation was Matt Eberflus comes in, he rehauls the defense, he gets them into the top 10, top five, and then you have this, you know, up-and-coming offensive coordinator mind that can help the offense put points on the board. And Matt Eberflus, in a lot, a lot of ways, left that offense completely to Luke Getze, and Luke Getze failed. So I think the hard thing to, you know, to almost do is to separate the fact of Luke Getze and Matt Eberfuss from each other and look at it as, would you rather have one side of the football that at least you know is elite or would you rather have, you know, the other side where you don't know if another name is coming in to Hallis Hall and able to have the success that he's already had. So in terms of being the good cop on Matt Eberfuss, yeah, there's been a lot of, you know, blown leads, blown games. But I think in a lot of ways with a young team, that's a product of the team learning how to win. And a lot of ways of, of at the end of the day, they have sustained and that culture seems to be pretty tight at Hallis Hall as of right now, even with all the things that he had to navigate at the beginning of the season with Alan Williams, with the Justin Fields, you know, offense disgruntled talk and making him go back to the podium and I think that if you were to make the case for Matt Eberflus to stay, that's the case that needs to be made. One side of the football is elite, and you're one offensive coordinator, maybe quarterback away from putting yourself in a position to help yourself win the NFC North and take the spins into the playoffs. Yeah, that's so I respect it. Always, always respect differing opinions here, but being the bad cop. I got to dig in on this. And, you know, I sit here watching Eberflus's tenure. And I, I was an Eberflus guy when they hired him. I liked him. I liked the hire. I was advocating for it. But five horrible losses in two years. 
where you have over a 90% win probability. To me, that's more than learning to win. That is being incapable of running an efficient, effective late game offense. They, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, three and outs to punt, giving teams chance after chance after chance. Even this past game, looking at the Cardinals game, if they weren't missing two of their top four weapons, do the Cardinals come back? The Bears gave them every chance to. They can't seem to figure that out. And that is just an indictment on Matt Eberflus to me. And we can sit here and say, oh, you know, the defense is great. The defense is doing so well. They they got a really strong unit on that side. They have a really talented unit on that side. I think, like, say Dennis Allen gets fired in New Orleans. I think you can go get Dennis Allen to be your DC. I think you can go get um, Phil Snow, who's an analyst right now, was a really highly touted uh, hire as a DC in Carolina before he got fired there. I think you can get you can convince him to step in the role. I think you can find some really uh the other guy, Evero, Ajiro Evero, just got fired in Carolina. Or I'm not sure if he did or did or not, but he's likely going to be because they fired the head coach. That is one of the best defensive minds in football right now. Like there are people out there who can get really high quality defense out of the talent that you have on this roster. I don't think that's exclusive to Matt Eberflus. Like I said, I was an Eberflus guy. I advocated for him, but there has just been too much wrong so far. And if you're going to get Caleb Williams, you're going to get Drake May, do not make this mistake again. Yeah, no, I I think, and that's what's so awesome about these conversations, a good cop, bad cop, because I think in both ways, there's a route to success. I think if you fire him, could be, but if you stick with them and you're able to find a high-end offensive coordinator, somebody who's proven to develop talent and wants to be that, maybe uh, you know one of the next guys on that next step before the head coaching run, you know, trying to make a name for themselves, maybe a quarterbacks coach that worked with somebody who you know is having success in the league. That's yeah, route. but also too, like that that Luke Getzey guy was doing great yeah, with Aaron yeah, Rodgers a few years well, ago. See, I think what we've learned is not to pick from the Packers organization in terms of that. Too. Yeah. I mean, when you have Aaron Rodgers out there, it makes it a lot easier for stuff. But we're going to get into Luke Getzey, too. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I think that was a successful good cop, bad cop for Matt Eberflus. I think that there's yeah. there's both sides to be had on both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we're all about respecting all the sides here. That's the point oh, of, of this exercise of is to think That's- it through, talk it through. And we're not actually talking our opinions right here. No. This is this is for you guys to listen, think about it, hear it, and for us to talk it through and think about it. But next up here, I'll go ahead with good cop. I'm Luke Getze. So, if I'm Luke Getze, I'm walking into Ryan Pohl's office. I see Kevin Warren sitting in the corner in a chair just with his notepad, silent. Ryan Poles just tells me, give me the pitch. Why should we keep you? I am throwing Justin Fields under the bus 10 times out of 10. I am sitting here saying, you handed me a quarterback who couldn't run my offense, which I, I I did everything I could to make it more friendly for him, make it as QB friendly as possible. And it, it doesn't work. It's not the way a West Coast offense works. We can't have some of these elements 
and then throw the others out the window. It all works in conjunction with each other. And when you have the quarterback who can't operate parts of that offense, you might as well just throw it out the window. I've tried to work with you guys on it. You guys told me when you hired me, you wanted a Kyle Shanahan offense. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do. But Justin Fields can't run a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I've been I've been handicapped by that since the day I got here. Now, the rest of this offense, DJ Moore, he's got the playbook down. The O-line, we have seen them do some really difficult things as far as misdirection, as far as alignments go and assignments. They've got it down now. Don't kill that progress. Keep it going. Go get me Caleb Williams. Because his flick of the wrist, the ball is out. He can process. Now, I know I'm going to have to work with him some on leeway of when he's going to be, you know, making his own decisions out there because he likes, he's an artist. You got to let an artist paint, right? That's what they do. But I know he can, he can master concepts within this offense the same way Aaron Rodgers did in Green Bay. And that, that alone, I think that is where the comp is for Caleb Williams. If you want to really talk stylistically, a guy who can run a West Coast offense because he has that quick release, but also has so much ability to create. That's we're talking about upside being Aaron Rodgers. Not to say he will be Aaron Rodgers, but that's that's the type of talent we're talking about there. Who better to work with him than me? It's an interesting point, Luke. Let me play bad cop for you. <laughs> Let me sit here and say, when you took this job, you knew the quarterback was Justin Fields. You pitched us on the fact that you were going to come in and make Justin Fields a part of your system. When we've sat here and watched, we've watched the failure on, on down and distance, short yardage, lack of creativity. You've watched the tape. You've seen things. You've had certain people who are on YouTube call you out and say, Nobody in the NFL does this except for Luke Getze. At the end of the day, the failure on all of this is his because it's his system. Quarterbacks are plug and play. And you said that you could come in here and make Justin Fields a Aaron Rodgers type. He has all these attributes, and it just has not worked. You, you yes, have done things to tailor the offense to some of his liking. But the whole offense has not been tailored to what he does well. A lot of sitting in the pocket, not moving the pocket as often. I I need to see things like that. I'm also, if I'm looking at drafting another quarterback, what makes me think that you're, you can elevate the next one to the next level? When you went to Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers was somebody who was set and had his attributes and ran his offense and knew it inside and out. How do I, you know go back and forth and de-inferentiate between the point of what you were doing and what uh, Coach Lefevre was running there. Who was the one that was was making the decisions there? I can't. And because of that, I just feel like I got to let you go. Because if I'm going to start all over and get a new quarterback, I got to get somebody in here who I have a proven track record of developing. And to me, you just don't have it. 
I think we both know where each other stand on this yes, one. Yes, yes, we do. Realistically. <laughs> but, you did a valiant job of making an effort for that. Though. Hey, I, I tried. Say, I, put, I put the I effort out. The like, I was on there trying is, to save my ass. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and honestly, I, I think that's the playbook for Luke Getson, right? You yeah. go in there and you say, hey, listen, I never got to run what I wanted to really run. I had to change a lot of things. Justin Cor- or Justin is not the quarterback that we thought he was going to be. He does not process things as quickly as I need him to give me another shot with somebody else, because I do know a system that can work because we have seen it work with a young quarterback in Green Bay. I get it. And if he's going to do that, then he makes a decent argument. I just feel at the end of the day that they're going to look at that, that offense and just go, I got a clean house. If it just doesn't bode well too. I think he would get in a lot of ways is probably gone no matter what, but he's definitely gone if Matt Eberflus is gone, because yeah. you're just, you're tearing everything to the studs at that point. Absolutely. All right. Next one. You're the good cop this time. You are defending Justin Fields. And I've so far been taking this as I, as if I was Justin Fields. So feel free to do it that way too, but defend Justin Fields. You're on the clock. So I'm Justin Fields and I have all these attributes and this has not been the situation for me to flourish. You've given me three different offensive coordinators since I've been here. It's been different each year. I'm showing some growth. A lot of people say passing yards mean a lot of things, but a yard is a yard. And on Sunday, I accounted for almost 300 of them between the yards on, on in the air and on the ground. I'm dynamic. I'm building this bond with these wide receivers you can see me and dj Moore. we really get it cole Komet, we have this this awesome ability and we're going to turn this into an offense where we run the football a little bit more you get me on the edge get me an offensive coordinator that can get me on the edge and, and get the defense in situations where they got to pick if they're coming after me or i can drop it off to somebody else that's the offense that i think i can run and we haven't run that at all you've made me sit in the pocket behind an offensive line for many years that was put together with Swiss cheese. So how was I able to grow as a passer and grow as a quarterback when the talent around me just isn't enough? You've seen me over the course of this year be Justin Fields and and develop with DJ Moore, an NFL caliber wide receiver in Cole Komet, an NFL caliber tight end. Get me one more of those NFL wide receivers Help me on that offensive line. Let's let's turn this into a running offense and let's go because our defense needs a guy like me who's going to lead this locker room, who's going to put in these splash plays, and we'll find a way to average around 21 to 28 points a game offensively. And with that defense we got, the best route to us being good is for me to stay and for you to build more and more skill guys around me. Give me two more years to – to fill this void. And after that, you can move on from me because at the end of the day, I don't think that I've been given a full chance at being the quarterback for the, for the bears, because you keep changing more and more stuff every single year. Give me an offense that tailors to me and let's ride. Russell Wilson. (laughs) All right. Bad cop side. And this one's hard because I I love Justin Fields. So it's hard to be, bad cop here or as impassioned as I guess I was with 
with uh, Matt Eberflus. But you know, if I'm if I'm Ryan Poles and I'm making this decision, I'm I'm sitting here saying, you know, Justin, organization, we love you. The city loves you. We wish you nothing but the best. But we have clipped your wings here, and it has hurt you. We hope you can get someplace else and land on your feet. But we got the number one pick. We're looking at two cheap quarterbacks for the next four years that we can pick from. And we look back at your contract. You're going to be expecting 30, 40 million a year next year. And this, this team is just not built to sustain like that. The quickest route to being a playoff team might be you, but the quickest route to a Super Bowl, I'm not convinced it is you anymore just because of what that's going to do to our salary cap situation, where we're going to be saying, what we're going to be able to put around you. I do not think we will be able to effectively build the offense that you need with our cap situation in that spot and having to dedicate that much of our draft capital to making that happen for you. So we, send you over to Atlanta, send you to Pittsburgh. We think that that gives you the best shot at getting back on your feet and continuing to grow as a football player. But right now you got to understand it's a business and this is a business decision. The best thing for the Chicago bears is one of those two young quarterbacks coming out in the draft. And that's tough to hear because I think, and, and just I'm flashing, I'm juice again, just to flash into this again. I think that's the route that they're going to ultimately end up going. I really do. I just think it makes so much sense. If you're Ryan Poles, you're never thinking about having the number one pick again. Nobody gets it three years in a row. He's lucky he got it two years in a row. No. So if you're gonna if you're gonna get that difference maker, I at quarterback on a, like you said a cheap contract and be able to build around it for another, it just resets the clock, makes it so easy. And two, like handing Justin another offensive coordinator and another system is just, that's tough. Like realistically, we should have known this in the beginning. The Getze hiring and bringing in was almost like emergency break glass because I think a lot of this was failed when Matt Nagy was still here and running everything. Because to me, those situations and those things are, when you start a job, those tendencies you you learn in those first couple of years, they matter so much, man. Mm-hmm. And like, I just feel like throwing him into the fire like they did so early, and the the way it happened too. Like he goes to Cleveland, gets sacked. What was it, seven or nine times? Yeah. Just get his brain beat in. Like that's that's tough, man. Like that's tough to have your first experience in the pocket just be somebody laying on top of you like Miles Garrett over and over and over again. It's tough, man. And it just, it sucks to sit here. And because like you said, I love Justin, man. I think, and I too, I don't know about you. I think he's going to go somewhere and have a pretty successful career. I think that he has the makings to be successful somewhere else. Unfortunately, it just doesn't feel like it's going to be here. Yeah. I think the thing that will always stick in the back of my mind until we see it happen until we see him overcome it is what I, how can I have faith in him in the playoffs when I see what Brian Flores and Jim Schwartz do to him? Mm-hmm. 
you're going to face those guys in the playoffs. Like, I mean, maybe not necessarily this year, but you're going to face coaches like that, coaches who know what your weakness is and have very talented rosters to make sure that they're attacking those weaknesses. And you look at you look at the games against the Browns and the Vikings, and it's just it's hard to believe that he can overcome those defensive coordinators, those defensive schemes. Um, but this isn't the Justin Fields episode. No, this is a good cop, bad cop episode. So we are going to move on to our next one, Jalen Johnson. And on this one, I'm good cop, and. This guy's about to make all pro. It's about to be an all pro at cornerback. These guys don't hit the market ever. They, I, I couldn't even tell you the last free agent who hit the market after making all pro or who ever made all pro and then hit the market before age 25. That is an asset that you need, need, need to hold on to because I mean, you pay them top of the market, you pay them what it takes. I just threw an article to, together today over at ontapsportsnet.com going through his stats, going through, well, I, yeah, he sure looks like an all-pro to me based on the stats. You go look at the contracts, guys who signed an extension at 25 years old and made an all-pro in their first five, first four years. You guys are all really darn good cornerbacks. And that's what Jalen's about to be. He's about to be on that list. He's about to get paid $20 million a year from someone. And it's got to be the Chicago Bears because this is a guy who can fit any scheme that you're going to run. He is not specific to the Tampa two. He is not specific to a quarters base defense. He's done them both with quite a bit of success. And I know there are some concerns with his shoulder, but show me a player who doesn't have some concerns somewhere. When you have talent like this, who has proven that they can perform at the NFL level like this, you retain them. You just do. And that's unless their demands are out of this world, you retain them. I mean, you look at Jalen Ramsey bouncing around te- playoff teams because everyone wants him. And it's like he's in his 30s now. He was first traded when he was, what, 26 from Jacksonville to a team who went and won the Super Bowl. And then you go into a different playoff team. These, these corners are so valuable in today's game. And when you get one this good, you hang on to them. Yeah, love love the argument for good cop there, not going to lie. The argument for bad cop is, is you mentioned it. It's the best ability is availability. And, Jalen, over the course of your career, availability is what I need you to be if I'm going to pay you this. I'm not paying you for what you did. I'm paying you for what you will do over the course of this contract. And don't put it past me to go out there, me, Ryan Poles, and find another second-round corner that's pretty good. I don't know if you know. I drafted that guy across from you, Tyreek Stevenson. He looks pretty solid. He's getting pretty good. I got Smith, too, who's who's playing pretty well. Kyler Gordon. I have a success of finding these positions. I don't really need to lean on you at that dollar amount. I'd love to. Love to have you here. But you're just not available enough for me to feel confident that you're going to be available over the course of this contract for me to make that much money. And honestly... I can maybe go out and get a second rounder with the extra one that I get from a Justin Fields trade or a, or an extra trade that I'm, I'm finding or the third rounder, second rounder that I already have. And I can go out and maybe get another guy. Maybe I'll bolster up that defensive line to make that guy who's on the outside who's younger look a little better. 
because the best way to make your backside look good is to have a good front side. And I'm going to tell you right now, I got Montez Sweat. I got a little bit of money to spend to put another guy next to him. And I think that the guys that I got there now, I got a little bit of depth. So to sit here and say that I really, truly need you, I'd love to have you. It's not truly a need if I can go out there and, and grab another position at the, at the success that I've had because I've been able to go out and find some pretty damn good ones. So, Jalen, that number's got to come down. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to have to let you walk. But no, I, I'm I'm Jay. I'm Team Jay when I'm here. Can't can't even lie, yeah. man. Yeah, he's Again, gotta get paid. Gotta we will get paid. iterate. We are we are playing roles here. Yes. So these are not directly our opinions, but the good thought process. And I mean, I think you make a strong argument there too. Of like, Jalen hasn't been the same when his shoulder hasn't been right. His rookie year, he came on gangbusters, hurt the shoulder, fell downhill. Almost every year of his career prior to this one has kind of gone that way where he looked awesome the first half of the season then the shoulder became an issue and he started to struggle more. Um, but realistically, I'm I'm for paying him. You, yeah, this guy is talented. The least, the least thing I know I made the argument of like, hey, I can go out there in the second round and get anybody. You don't want to spin that wheel again on that. No. In a lot of ways, Ryan Poles has been very fortunate. The fact that he's gotten that type of talent on the back end at the places he's gotten. Let's be completely frank with that. Yeah. So next up, you are good cop for Darnell Mooney. And this might not necessarily be for the Bears. It could be for the Kansas City Chiefs GM in discussions or wherever it might be. But so defending good cop for Darnell Mooney. See, it comes down and plain and simple. I'm a pretty damn good wide receiver. It's just unfortunate the fact that I play against a next to a guy like DJ Moore who him and Justin seem to be, I don't know what they do after practice, but I'm open, man. But my quarterback doesn't find me, but he seems to find DJ Moore pretty often. I don't know. I I have a 1,000-yard season underneath my belt already. Put me in your system, and I can find myself as a playmaker. I have speed. I'm a good route runner. I'm a willing blocker. I'm maybe not the best at it, but I get up there and I mix it up when I need to. But I'm going to tell you right now, you guys sign me, I'm going to be pretty cheap considering the fact that I do know that I don't have the the wherewithal for, you know, the the stats behind me my name, but I'm hungry and I'm willing to make a name because I feel like I've been slighted in this Luke Getzey offense over the course of this, you know, couple runs with with Justin Fields and I feel like my talent on the field shows when I'm open. I get open pretty often, but my quarterback doesn't find me, and I'm not a focal point of this offense with guys like DJ Moore and Cole Komet and a decent running game. But Darnell Mooney is a damn good wide receiver and a guy that you could fit in my system and work with me and, and definitely make me uh, get me give me some targets. Let me show you what I could do because when I do get targeted, I got the moves to take to the house. I'm Darnell Mooney. <laughs> I liked the uh, the 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 third person there. So I, I mean, like every wide receiver. Just Darnell Mooney. <laughs> every every. I'm DJ Moore. I'm DJ Moore. Every single wide receiver I hear in a talk it seems like they talk in third person. All right. Antonio's open. Bad cap. You know, Darnell. Your stats have gone downhill each of the last two years. I don't know if that ankle last year 
change the way that you have to play the game. I don't know if maybe Justin lost some trust in you because you're, you're not getting the targets he did previously. He had a lot of trust in you last year, but it didn't always work out. So I'm wondering if maybe some of that trust got lost and then you're, you're kind of just floating as he got, he got a receiver who has earned more trust in this league. And if I, if I'm being brutally honest here, you weigh 170 pounds. It's hard to, it's hard to trust you in one-on-one situations. It's hard to trust you with a jump ball. It's hard to trust you as a lead blocker on the outside behind a screen. Um, just because we don't, we don't know when you're going to be able to hold up in those situations and when you're not. And that makes a 50, 50 ball, a 30, 70 ball. And that, that just is tough to pay. That's tough to pay market, you know, 12, $11 million a year to that's more like six, 7 million a year. I'm thinking because you, you're probably best suited in the slot. You're awesome in the slot. We love you in the slot. But that's not where the marquee players get paid in this league. And that, that is typically, I hate to pigeonhole you, but that's the role for your size, your profile, is that slot receiver who can run all the routes, who can be shifty inside and outside, and who is tough to keep up with. That, that, that attitude in the slot is going to go a long way. But you can't be an ex-receiver on our team. Yeah, I can't. I know I can't. <laughs> well, the sad thing is, I think no, I like that's that is what he, I think his agent will hear from mm-hmm. GMs. Hundred percent. I think Darnell has had a lot go against in the last two years. I think someone's going to get him for a steal next season. Mm-hmm. But I do think contract negotiations are going to be tough and kind of go along the lines of what I was just saying. Yeah, I think so too. And it's a shame because I know he he works pretty damn hard. To, yeah, that's. I want to say this too. Like with with all these guys, there's no shortage of of work between Justin and you know Darnell, and it's just been it's sad. I I think these hurt more because over the course of these last couple of years, we found out how much you know these guys like each other and and how good they are for you know, the locker room, it feels like what Ryan Poles is doing. And obviously Darnell was there before, but a lot of these guys, he's bringing in good character people. And I think that that makes it even harder to move on from. Right. It gets really tough towards the end of this. Yeah. All right. Last one here. And I'm starting off as good cop. Free agent acquisition, Nate Davis. So I'm defending his, up and down play we've seen this year. And if I'm Nate Davis, I'm sitting here saying, you you see this guy, Lucas Patrick, next to me? You see him getting just rolled over like a wheelbarrow? And I'm the problem? I've been one of the better run blockers in the league this year. Sure, I've made some mistakes in pass protection, but look at your offensive coordinator. What the hell is he asking us to do out here? This stuff makes no sense half the time. And you're saying that's on me. I mean, 
I, I got two years fully guaranteed from you guys. So either way, I'm getting paid here. But you got to really reconsider who you have thinking about this stuff if you're putting this on me. Because I walk in here, this system is crap. I can tell from the start. We got this, this black hole playing next to me. And I'm the one getting the blame right now because I missed some training camp because my mother passed away. That is unreal. Like you guys got to reconsider this because I, I I might want out of here at this point if you're if you're sitting here putting this all on me. Yeah, I kind of agree with all of you what you said, but I'm <laughs> going to go into Nate Davis a little bit. Nate, a little bit of the problem is his availability. You've been hurt this year. You've been up and down, and yeah, you may have a black hole to your left, but to your right, you got a pretty decent you know ninth round pick next to you, and you still. Yeah, you've been good in run blocking, but this is a passing week. And I feel like if I could cut you, I could find somebody to, to fill in real quick there. Maybe I'm saving a little bit against the cat. And the problem is, is that I need to get younger at some of these positions, and you're not getting any younger. And I don't know. I just – I can't. I can't with Nate Davis. He's going to be here. I can't. Yeah. I can't. He's going to be fine, too. Like you said, and you yeah. made the point with, with Lucas Patrick next to him. Like, that's so hard to, like – Cut in, and honestly, too, you're talking about well, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, I mean, if you don't mind me kind of no, throwing something in there, because I, I do feel a bit more this way, realistically. Of you know, Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins were supposed to make Lucas Patrick look more serviceable, look better, and be mm-hmm. be more okay. And it hasn't worked out that way. And I do think there is some blame there for him in pass protection. I do like I watch his tape and I see. I see a player who's been awesome as a run blocker, but the process and pass protection, the mental errors are real. They're Mm -hmm. happening. And it's, I mean, maybe that is like, like I said, the scheme is wonky as hell. So maybe that's throwing some of it. Maybe there's some other factors, but also Nate Davis was skipping camp before the -hmm. stuff with the family situation. Maybe if he was there in mini camp, it might've been a little easier to miss time later. You know, too, like darn outright playing with one arm most of the season. Yeah. Too. Not easy. That's a guy. Yeah. No, hey, he covered That's... a lot of that. I didn't even think about that. He he helped cover Darnell Wright a lot during that, which is real. And that's, I think Nate Davis is going to be here. He's going to be a starter and he, he'll be average at least. But yeah. pass protection is something that we got to see a little bit better process on. We got to see him understanding it better, understanding his assignments better and his reads, his reads out there. That's really what gets him in trouble on occasion where it'll just be a guy flying through that gap because he he thought he was doing something different. Mm-hmm. This was fun, right? Yeah. This is it. This was yeah. a good time. Let's Let's see what the comments we had from it are. Let's see. Scott from Iowa, another point to help Getsy. Give me the same level of talent on offense as he put on defense. Pulse traded for sweat, free agent signings at linebacker, and top drafted cornerback and safeties. Good point. Yeah. I could see and I could see that. We got Red Man R. Bears absolutely must win the next two games and hope the Packers lose the next two games. If the Packers win even one, even if the Bears win both, it's over. They're eliminated. I'm assuming that's about Eberflus and Getze, coaching staff in general, maybe Fields in there too. Yeah, I 
and then reiterated it. Bears absolutely yeah. must win the next two games. No question. What's your opinion on all like these next two games? I want to know your what do you what are you looking for? Because this is tough. These last two are you got less than one percent to make the playoffs. It seems like Brian Poles probably has he's probably leaning one way on which way he's gonna go. I would assume at this point. There's not much jostling for job, I don't think, over the course of these next two. Do, do you? No, I mean, I really think there's not a lot that these final two games should sway anyone's opinion on. Like, I mean, you're talking about the last two games in a lost season. What Both of them are against teams who are fighting for something. So I, I guess that does count because the Falcons, I think, are still alive in the NFC South race. The Packers are still alive in the wild card. But, I mean, we've seen all we need to see, in my opinion. Like, I, I don't know what these final two games are doing for anybody to really get a strong indication of anything. And you ask what I'm looking at these last two games? I'm looking at Zach Pickens. <laughs> That's what I'm watching. I'm watching Zach Pickens because his pass rush snap counts have increased each of the last two games, and he has been improving. He's been improving for like four or five straight weeks by PFF grade. He's been, I've been noticing him more out there and I think there's something to see there. So that's what I'm really keying in. on. you know, I've seen, I've seen plenty of flashes from Dexter. I've seen plenty of flashes from Darnell, Wright. Who I'd like to see him continue on both of them. But Zach Pickens is a guy who I feel like is starting to come into his comfort zone in the NFL right now. So I'm interested to keep watching that. And then we have Kelly Jordan here. The bears have had, Four drafted players get a second deal in the last 20 years. They haven't started a consistent line all year, build the team for once, and leave the QB alone. Um, leave Justin alone. I like that. Uh, but Leave Justin alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good point. They're, I could buy, like, I don't know. That, that's the thing. It's like they haven't started a consistent line all year, build the team. I mean, this team is pretty darn good. The only thing I'll say is, like, if if Justin wanted to make the case of bring in more for me, and then if I fail, it makes your destination seem better. Because, let's face it, guys like Aaron Rodgers and all these guys that were trying to play for a Super Bowl in their last contract – that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the team that's like ready, but just needs a quarterback. And you can make the case of like, let Justin roll out next year. If I fail, then you can try to find a way to bring in maybe a veteran who's on a Super Bowl run for the year. Yeah. And that, I know that's a, that's like super long shot, but I mean, in all fairness, developing a quarterback in this franchise, always a long shot. And the two quarterbacks at the top of it do have, you know, some pretty glaring weaknesses in their game. Mind you, they all do when they come out. Um, but, I mean, I guess you can make that argument of, like, give him another year, and if it fails, then you could just let him walk, and then you're hopefully using draft capital for the next year or some type of, you know, free agent move or a trade to bring in your signal caller for the future. But, I, I mean – you don't get better shots than this. No, you don't. You and just that's don't. Like, 
if they didn't have the number one pick, like if they had like the fourth pick, mm-hmm. if, I'd be like, yeah, we're conversation. sticking with Justin. It's completely Justin. different conversation. Yeah, but like you get the number one pick and it's Caleb Williams who in some draft circles is regarded like the best quarterback, you know, coming out since Andrew Luck in some ways, like he has the the talent to, to maybe become that you gotta, it's, it's also about like going out. And if you're Ryan polls, justifying your job too, right? Like there is some behind the scenes of like, if you pass up on that guy and it doesn't work, you've passed up on two number one picks. You already passed on CJ Stroud. Right. Like if you add another CJ Stroud and let's say like Drake may is good too. And you pass, and Caleb Williams is everything. There's three potential generational quarterbacks there that you passed on. Like that gets you fired. A hundred percent gets you fired. I, I really think the idea of like the idea of staying with Justin and more so the idea of going and getting a vet, like like going and getting a Kirk Cousins. I think they're scared decisions. I think those are scared decisions that and sca- making decisions based on fear is usually a bad idea in my opinion. And that that's how they feel to me. Those are decisions of we are scarred from the past. We are scared. It will happen again. So we are going to alter our process because we're scared of it. Yeah. Um, now Scott from Iowa here says there's so much hype for Williams. He feels he'll be Ryan leaf. I cannot honestly sit here and tell you about Ryan Leaf's draft profile and what his strengths and weaknesses were. You know, I was six, seven years old when that happened, but I can sit here and tell you why I like Caleb Williams and why I like Caleb Williams. And I haven't watched any Drake may yet. So I can't talk about which one I like more. Like I haven't watched any all 22 of them. Mm -hmm. I've watched on TV, but you can only tell so much from the broadcast angle. Um, why I like Caleb Williams. I've watched his two worst games. I watched the Notre Dame game and the Utah game. And I still had a first round grade on him. And the reason why all game, I was watching him go read one, read two, read three, read two, read four, read three, scramble. Okay. Back to read four, back to read three, scramble some more back to read four and then do some like it might, the result always wasn't there, but this, He was bam, 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 hitting his reads over and over and over. And sure, there might be a little bit trigger shy there to pull the trigger on the throw. But I have very few questions about his ability to read and process. Mm -hmm. And that is the most important thing that you can see on tape to me. Like, I I didn't see this in Bryce Young's film. I didn't see this in CJ Stroud's film. I see it in Caleb Williams' film. And it is the way that he bounces around reads. It's different. It is something different than what you see in other quarterbacks. And maybe he's a really weird guy who won't handle the spotlight. Well, I think that's more the Ryan Leaf comment here. Personally, I don't have a whole lot of reason to believe that. I think some of this stuff has been blown out of proportion because he paints his fingernails because he cried on camera after becoming ineligible for the playoff. Like, I I think that there's some stuff like that that has kind of 
hurt him, and I'm not sure it's really valid. I, I I'm just I haven't seen anything bad about the kid. All I hear about is that he has he has issues off the field, but I've never seen them. So I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm missing them, but that's where that's where I'm sitting with it. I've always sat in this cart for quarterback development. To me, it comes down to like normal human nature versus nurture. But I feel like it's twofold with the quarterback position. Like the nature is is Caleb Williams is really damn talented. But what they're going to have to do is build a system when he gets here that nurtures that talent. Like I feel like systems and the way that they put together their staff means so much for how good a quarterback turns out. Yes. And and, and the problem with the way it sits right now is I don't think that the situation is good for a rookie quarterback coming in. And that's why I think they're going to clean house and make it that way because it just doesn't, Right now, you can't tell me bringing in Caleb Williams underneath this staff is the right thing to do. And it's this whole thing about how Chicago never develops quarterbacks. I think it's partly in because we just don't put the systems in play to let them succeed when they get here. Like it's a it's a huge three ring circus when they get here, it seems like. And there's just not – the coaching isn't in play. It seems like two years down the line or a year down the line, they're pulling a guy out to hand him another guy. It's never married. And that's why, like, every time that the Bears have tried to develop a quarterback, it's failed. And I think that's because of of this. And I think Kevin Warren knows that. And I think that that's why he's here. He's here to figure it out with with Ryan Poles and and to fire those guys down there and create – just a, an ecosystem for them to place Caleb Williams in. And I think that yeah. that's the route to success here. Cause you see what happened in Kansas city. That's what they did. And Andy Reed there, they had a, a veteran quarterback that he could learn from that went around the systems and Alex Smith. And, and that's, he'd been through the ringer and that's what you need to build here. And the bears have never, ever built it right. And that's why I think this is, if there ever was a time to build it, this is when you build it. Yeah. And Scott responded, biggest red flag is not talking to the media after a loss. He can't do that in the harshest media market outside of New York. I mean, maybe that's fair. You'd like to see him talk to media after a loss, but I just have a hard time putting much draft eval weight on that. I, I like to me, the most important thing is what I'm seeing on the tape. And then like the off the field stuff, not talking after a loss because he cares so much about the game that he he's upset that he lost. Yeah. There are negatives to that, but that's not a major red flag to me. Cause it's a guy, it's a kid who cares a lot. So is it something that I have to learn to deal with? Absolutely. But it's not something I'm knocking a kid too hard for personally. And it's okay. If you do, that's your decision. Sure. Um, and then back to Kelly Jordan, said, ask yourself if Williams gets hit with the immediate adversity, is he going to be able to handle this city playing in the cold? To the latter point, Williams played high school ball in Washington, D.C. I'm not worried about the cold. Um, but to the first point, the immediate adversity, he's get, he's, if he gets hit with that, I mean, I think we saw him get hit with a USC this year. 
that was not a good football team. There was a lot of stuff working against him. They still won, what, eight, nine games? But he was dragging them to the finish line in a lot of those. And in a lot of close losses, I mean, that defense couldn't couldn't stop a cold. So, personally, I think you, you're looking at, in Caleb Williams, a kid who went through a lot of adversity this past year in a major media market. USC gets national coverage. I mean, that that's a big market. I, so, it's not Chicago. It's not the Chicago Bears in the Chicago media market. That is something different, absolutely. But I do think he has put up with a fair amount of adversity in his time at USC. And regardless, he's going to be the number one pick. He's going to receive that media scrutiny, whether if he's here or if he's in Las Vegas or if he's in, you know, whoever the Bears may be trade with. And regardless, it's going to be it's going to be a circus for him no matter what. And that's, I mean. If you're talented enough, everything's usually okay, right? Good. The good always will help them through all of this if they have success. And I think that that's why, like, build the quarterback ecosystem for him, let him flourish, and all this adversity and all this different character issue. I think that helps, you know, it, it plays for its, itself at the end. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm also, to be clear, I'm not sitting here standing and pounding the table. No, 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 yet either. I'm just, I'm trying to play devil's advocate to these questions sure. and honestly give my thoughts as well. So not devil's advocates, the wrong term, but I'm trying to honestly give my thoughts of why these aren't my worries right now. But I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll read an article in two weeks that changes my mind on it. We're so early in the process here. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be definitive. Like I said, I've only watched two games so far of the kid. There's a lot more to watch and a lot more to see. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a a combine. There's going to be, you know, <laughs> workout days and a million things are going to happen before the end of this thing. That's why it's fun to talk about now. We got Kelly again asking how many USC quarterbacks have thrived in the NFL. Carson Palmer, maybe. I would counter that with this. How many Lincoln Riley quarterbacks have thrived in the NFL? between Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, because you, you want to say USC, then you're you're talking about Pete Carroll quarterbacks, which is a completely different thing, completely different than what we're seeing from Lincoln Riley right now. The offense is completely different. The teams are 100% different. Coaching staff, 100% different. It is So I have a hard time bundling that into one school. Like if we were talking about Alabama quarterbacks in the last – 15 years like yeah that's all Nick Saban okay I can understand bundling that together but USC quarterbacks over the long term Lincoln Riley's only been there two years so I have a hard time really putting much weight on that example um because also I mean how many Texas Tech quarterbacks have done anything in the NFL Pat Mahomes that's it how many uh Tennessee quarterbacks Peyton Manning and then who maybe I don't even know someone else I assume Ole Miss, Eli Manning, um, Michigan, Tom Brady. I don't know who, maybe someone a long time ago from Michigan. But uh, I, I think that there's, it's kind of a, because USC has put out a lot of quarterbacks, they get this reputation as their quarterbacks being busts. When the reality is no other schools put out that many quarterbacks. I think. Yeah, no, I mean. I think the quarterback position in general is just weird, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're evaluating programs by ones that have produced a lot of them, there's just not a lot. It's it's tough to 
make a good list. Kelly about the Lincoln rally quarterbacks. That's cool, but they're all short and not exactly great consistently either. I mean, that's it's a valid point, I guess they're all short and I mean, I don't know. Jalen hurts is pretty, he does a pretty good job there in Philly. I get what you mean. It's more of a system kind of thing for him there. I mean, Baker's jumped into a new team this year and got what 30 touchdowns and eight interceptions. He's doing pretty well for them. And any of those three quarterbacks would have just about every single Chicago Bears quarterback record right now. And then we got Scott with one more comment here. And then we're going to, I think we're going to call it after getting yeah. DJ and signing sweat. I think polls what wants to reset a quarterback with a rookie QB, but if he does, I'll support him. Like I do with Justin. Oh, it doesn't Harry. He... Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've, I mean, since you can kind of read the tea leaves on this since polls got here, the plan was always to build it for the next quarterback, I think. And if Justin surprised you and made it through it all, great, all the better. But it felt to me like the last two off seasons were very heavily pointing to we're building for the next guy. Unless Justin just overcomes everything, which I'm not sure anyone could. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, it's it's about building a system and an ecosystem around the quarterback because all these guys who come out and draft are talented. And they fail, in my opinion, because they get in situations that are bad most of the time. That's that's just my two cents. I and and I'm maybe wrong on that, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, Green Bay is a great example of, of why they continually have good quarterbacks because they do a damn good job of setting the team up and then letting that guy grow into that system. And yeah. I, I think that that's maybe something the Bears should look at. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I, I agree with that sentiment. I, I think I was reading an article on the athletic from Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, um, really good GM in his time, but uh, the article was kind of up and down. It was, it was about the bears and he said some questionable stuff in it. But one thing that I did take away from it that I really agree with is that most of these prospects, they're failed by the organizations more than they fail the organization. And it, a lot of it does come down to that infrastructure. And I really do think with a new head coach like a Ben Johnson here, this team is set up to give a very, very strong infrastructure to a young quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope that's the case. Because, I mean, it'd be really cool to, like, for once have a quarterback that's the difference maker and not, you know, just a part of it. Yeah, you know, I love Jim McMahon, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, let's face it, like, he did what he had to do. He was the right guy for the job, but that wasn't sustainable. Yeah. And that's, you know, they've never really done that, but nope. they're in a spot right now. You add a center in free agency, you draft a wide receiver with that other first round pick. This offense is pretty darn good. They are in a spot to really support a young guy. And I'm not sure that in a year and two years, 
they're in the same spot. Like the timeline is really hitting right for that, for them to get an offensive mind in here and pair him with a rookie quarterback and give a kid the best chance to succeed that they've I've ever really seen for a Bears offense. Let's let's just hope that Poles and Kevin Warren have their thumb on, you know, the right move here. Because God, for our mental health here, man, I can't do another. I can't do another losing season. I mean, I will say, I think next year, no matter what, we're looking at a winning season. It's just a question of what the ceiling on that team is. Um, like you know, I mean, I, I think you roll with Fields next year. You can look at a 9-10 win season. I mean, they should be a 10-win team this year if they would have just closed out those games. Um, and then you look at – you add like a guy like Kirk Cousins, maybe you're an 11-12 win team. But I don't think you're – I think you have quite the ceiling on your playoff possibilities sure. too. And then – and that's that's the same goes with Fields. I think he, it, it can only go so far in the playoffs. But with a rookie QB, I think the ceiling becomes anything. You know, until we see the kid play, until we see how he's progressing, it, it could be anything. And if the, you know, the returns on these these two guys, which are very strong so far, are anywhere close, it, you're you're talking about a franchise that it might be one of the best setup situations in the NFL. Yeah, and I think that's going to make uh, the phones ring if they do move on from Matt Eberflus. But Q, I'll close this thing out real quick. Um, any final thoughts from you, my friend? No, I think I, I think I've rambled and ranted enough. Uh, I've gotten it all out. I'm empty. I love to hear that. We don't want to leave any takes left in the chamber until next week. Bears on tap here is one of two Chicago Bears podcasts here at the on tap sports net. Make sure you're heading over to the Bears on or Bears Nation podcast. Check out what they're doing over there, doing a damn good job with. Bears coverage as well. Bulls, Bears, Hawks, Cubs haven't done anything. White Sox spending all the money. Head over to www.ontapsportsnet.com for all your sports and literature needs on any of those. Follow all the podcasts as well. Make sure you're joining the Crack of Movement. We are Bears on Tap, and we are going to get out of here the only way that we know how. Q? One more thing. Please. Go give us ratings if you like the oh, show. Yeah. Yes, Go give us five stars, four stars. If you don't like it, comment. Let us know what you didn't like about the show. Hearing back from you guys means the world to us, and it helps us more than you can know as far as our ability to, to increase our reach. But with that being said, bear down. Bear down.